Get ready to listen, learn, and earn CE hours. This podcast features content from an accredited CE activity provided by Calibri Healthcare. Visit EliteLearning.com slash podcasts for accreditation and disclosure statements and instructions on how you may be able to earn CE credits. Hi, I am Jana A. Meal, and welcome to another episode here with Calibri Healthcare. Now, we're going to be talking to a very special nurse today, Yvette Palameke, who's joining me. And Yvette, I'm going to let you talk about yourself in just a moment, but I wanted to kind of set the stage for what it is that we're going to be talking about, something that got a lot of conversation and a lot of like highlight, right, over the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic, which is travel right. nursing. And believe it or not, my experience with travel nursing, I, as an RN, I've never done travel nursing, but I've worked with travel nurses who quite honestly, I thought were the coolest nurses I had ever worked with. I felt like you guys saw and did all the things. So I'm really excited to talk about it. And in the light of COVID-19, kind of what's happened there. And now that we feel like we're slowly creeping out of it, what's that look like? So I'm gonna hand it to you, to Yvette, Tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell our audience a little bit about yourself. <laughs> well, first of all, I want to say good morning and thank you for having me on this podcast today. Uh, thank you and thank Colibri Healthcare for that matter. Um, my name is Yvette Palameque. Um, I am a Miami native, Miami, Florida. <laughs> so let's start there, right? <laughs> Where some of the coolest people reside. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. Um, I attended Florida International University to obtain my first degree, which was a bachelor's in biology. My initial plan was to go to medical school and become an orthopedic surgeon, but everything went left. Okay. So that did not happen, obviously. <laughs> so Fast forward a few years later in 2007, I moved to Houston, Texas. Um, my twin sister is also a registered nurse and she took a travel assignment into Houston and she convinced me to go with her and uproot. And I said, you know what? South Florida is having a bad market. It's, you know, housing crisis, yeah. you know, you remember. So okay. I said, you know what? I'm packing everything up and I'm out of here. So I left and um, we got to Houston and she really enjoyed the traveling thing. It was her first assignment. Um, and then shortly after she finished that one, three months later, she was off to Washington, D.C. And she just kept going. And I said, wow. So when I got to Houston, I said, you know what? I'm going to look into nursing instead. I think that's going to be the win for me. And sure enough, nice. <laughs> two years later, I was accepted into the University of Texas uh, Health Science Center at Houston, where I finished my um, second degree program with a bachelor's in nursing. And um, awesome. shortly then I started to work at one of the local um, level one trauma centers there as a new grad in the ICU. So my base experience is ICU from day one. Uh, that's okay. 11 and a half years ago. So <laughs> you can imagine what I've seen. So when I, when I finished, uh, I worked, uh, moved around a couple of hospitals during that time. And then 2019, I was facing a divorce. 
uh, between Houston and Florida. I had to keep going back to court in Florida. So I said, I'm going to take a travel assignment to Florida so that I can be close and make my court dates. And <laughs> so that's when I started traveling. Right. Interesting. And shortly after that COVID hit and, you know, you know, the story, the rest is history from there. So. Yeah, no kidding. So let's talk a little bit about that piece. So you were working and this is this is not going to sound right, but let's try to frame this up. You're working as a regular nurse, meaning that you are a staff nurse, right? And when I say regular, I mean staff nurse, right? You have a home hospital that you work in as a staff nurse, and that's that's where you're practicing on a right. daily basis. So then you got into travel nursing around like 2019. What is travel nursing? Help us to to understand like what that is. Is it just I'm going to go to the hospital down the street. What's what's travel nursing? So to be classified as a quote unquote travel nurse, you have to pick up an assignment. Right. The word assignment refers to the hospital and the scope of work that you'll be doing at the hospital. So it means the hospital, okay. the unit, your hours, that's part of your assignment. Okay. So to be classified as a travel nurse, uh, the general rule of thumb is to be stationed at a hospital at least 50 plus miles away from home, whatever your home base is. In that case, in the case of me, my home base was Houston, Texas at that time. Right. So I took a travel assignment in Miami, Florida. Now, even though Miami, Florida was my hometown, I wasn't living there at the time. I did not go to nursing school there. And I wasn't practicing nursing in the state of Florida. So I was a travel nurse. I traveled 1500 miles away from home practically to uh, start my first assignment. And um, just to bring this up as a variation, there are certain particular categories to a staff nurse. So a staff nurse refers to somebody that's in the hospital working as a nurse. It doesn't matter the unit. It doesn't matter, you know, their scope of practice. It doesn't matter their degrees or years of experience. They are basically permanent hospital employees that work strictly for the hospital. Got it. Depending on the hospital that you work at, Houston, if you know anything about Texas, Houston houses the Texas Medical Center, which is the largest complex of hospitals in the country and actually probably in the world. So we have uh, a few level one trauma centers within close proximity of each other. Those hospitals are pretty big in terms of number of beds that they serve. So they create what's called float pools within the hospital. So let's say um, there is a nurse like me that's an ICU nurse, but the hospital has 10 different ICUs based on specialty. It could be a cardiac ICU for hearts. It could be a trauma ICU for your accidents, gunshots, and whatnot. It could be a transplant ICU. Those types of ICUs are categorized um, differently. So what the position that I took after two years at my first hospital was a float, an ICU float nurse. I was an employee of the hospital, which means I was a staff member because I I didn't have any other jobs. I didn't, 
you know, I, I only worked strictly for that hospital system. But within the hospital, I was afloat. So that means one day I could be in cardiac ICU. The next day I could be in trauma. The next day I'm somewhere else. And it went on and on. And I did it that way because I wanted the variety of specialties. I wanted to learn. And sometimes what happens is when you are in a staff position, you learn your unit very well but you may get limited into other specialties. And if you don't see the other specialties often, if there ever comes a day where you have to work in a different specialty, you, you might feel lost, right? So I decided that I wanted to learn. I wanted to be a really well-rounded nurse. And that certain hospital happened to have positions open for ICU nurses with experience that wanted to be floats, which means they could be placed anywhere in the hospital, pretty much within their scope of practice, which is ICU and um, intermediate care. So I chose that path and it paid off. (laughs) It was really hard and really scary at first. But to be honest with you, it was the best thing I ever did because I learned so much of everything. I learned a little bit of everything in terms of where I can go anywhere in the country and function as a full-fledged ICU nurse and not be afraid of machines or devices or different treatments because I've seen most of everything, right? Yeah. But unbeknownst to me, seven years ago when I took that position, I didn't know that I'd end up traveling um, later, but it helped me because it made me not afraid to go places. It made me not comfortable in just one place. And it made me think that I could be here tomorrow. I could be there. So if I could do this within a hospital system, why can't I do it in a different city? Right? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So you think then that that really contributed to your ability to like travel, right? Outside of just your own area, but your ability to travel into different areas, even within healthcare and, and nursing and feel comfortable not scared and like, oh my goodness, like this is brand new. And there's there's just a real fear of doing things that are brand new in general, especially I would say in nursing, stepping into a role and not feeling like you have any idea there's, about that. So was you really <laughs> There is a real fear among nurses themselves because when I would go to units um and say I'm I'm a float nurse for today and it was great because I never knew where I'd go, but every day was a new opportunity to learn new things, make new friends, meet new doctors, meet, you know, different people, meet new patients with different problems. But also um, people were thankful that I was there because I was like labeled as the help, right? Yeah. You know, when you get a float nurse, it's because your unit is short. And so somebody's coming in to save the boat, right? (laughs) Right. Okay. So I see you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, um, I mean, you're a nurse, so, you know, unit culture sometimes lends itself to be very cliquish, very, um, you know, divisive, depending on what side you're on and and this and that night shift, day shift, the whole versus nurses versus doctors. I mean, everything's a fight, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. it, It ended up being where I didn't have to participate in unit culture because I didn't belong to a unit. 
I reported directly to one manager. So if there was any issue, she reported to me and I, I reported to her and that was it. I didn't have to deal with, oh, well, she said this and she said that because you know what, if I'm there for one day and I don't have a good day, I don't have to go back the next day. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point. I want to dive into that a little bit more as we talk about travel nursing and the culture around it, right? And, and we talk about unit culture, but even travel nursing culture and how it's received traditionally, especially post-COVID and maybe these ideas, maybe myths that we might get to debunk, right? Today, you know, about travel nursing and what we think about it. But I'd love to hear you know, what your experience was initially going into travel nursing, like what that, you know, real experience was there for you. And really some questions that I know I'm thinking of, our audience is thinking of, right? Like, how much are you getting paid even, right? You know, what's, what's that really looking like? We hear all these things, but let's, let's really frame it up to see what's going on. So what was that initial experience thinking that you had come from this float culture, which is fantastic. You were exposed to a lot of different areas and a lot of different opportunities to practice in new ways. So that was a helpful thing. But what was that? Like your, your first assignment, am I using that term, right? Your first yes. assignment, what was that? So my first assignment, um, I have to say it was not hard for me. Uh, because I, I had come from a place that did so many procedures that was always seen at the forefront of healthcare and, and just the sheer volume of patients that we saw. So going to a place that is half the size of the hospital where I come from and, you know, has, you know, less volume per se. I didn't have a hard time adjusting to taking care of patients. Interesting. The culture was extremely different. Yeah. Um, they weren't always nice. Um, and this was even pre-COVID. So yeah. I just I just want to put it out there that it's not it's not necessarily a post-COVID thing, although I'm going to corroborate with you on that and say that travel nursing has taken some sort of turn to be looked at negatively by people. But even pre-COVID, the culture um, there at that particular place where I ended up, um, they weren't very nice. They weren't very welcoming. Um, you know, the cliquish thing that we talk about. Um, and, you know... Going into South Florida, you know, the main language is Spanish, not English. So I would literally hear nurses that didn't know I spoke Spanish uh -oh. talk about some of the other travelers in a derogatory form and say things like, well, she's making all this money. So why can't she do this? And why can't they do that? <laughs> so I'm listening to this and I'm just like, but if we didn't even bother to come here in the first place you would still be working short and you'd have to do it all yourself. So I'm trying to understand why is everybody in a pinch and why is everybody so upset that travelers are on the unit? Yeah. So during that time, I, I just kind of observed the culture a little bit. And, you know, again, I was in the midst of a divorce going back and forth to court. So, you know, my head was all over and I was, I was there on a mission. I didn't, necessarily want to be there per se, that would have never been my first choice of an assignment. That would have not been 
an ideal situation for me to take, not even the facility. However, I mean, this assignment popped out of the sky and it was at a time where I needed to be in South Florida on a regular basis. And I had my baby sister that I could stay with, which lived 10 minutes from the hospital. So I didn't have to pay for housing. So, I mean, that saved me quite a bit and it made the move worthwhile, at least to take that assignment for the time being. Yeah. But the culture was even management. Um, They weren't always very inviting or inclusive. Um, And I, I think that definitely plays a role because, you know, as you know, culture in any organization starts at the top. Yeah, absolutely. How management dictates how the unit is run, it makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Now, there's a lot to unpack there, and I think it's really important. <laughs> it's oh, my God. You, know, you didn't know I was coming with the travel baggage, right? And we are keeping it R-E-A-L on this. So that's true. We know that prior to COVID, there was a travel nursing culture. I think, you know, in general, we have to be very honest with ourselves when we talk about nursing, right? We understand that nursing, like any other profession, to your point, exactly, that has a culture. And we certainly do have a culture. And I mean, that in and of itself is a podcast by itself or several. Right. Really right. talking about where that comes from. But there is a lot of like floating circles of it's this bunch and this bunch and this department and that unit and this crew and and just kind of weird rules of hierarchy and ownership that happen in this very wacky way. And then you introduce travel nursing and that brings in a very new kind of setting. What are we unpacking first? (laughs) Do we have time? Well, we want to definitely unpack what, you know, what you think about as far as your opinion on that. But before we get into it, I I really want to know, you know, how did you decide? Because I'll tell you, like any RN right now who subscribe to anything, we get text messages and emails from this agency and that agency and this need and that need. But how do you go about even determining, okay, this, you know, I'm going to do travel nursing and I'm going to go with this agency uh, because why? I mean, I feel like there's so many different things to consider about what you're choosing and how you choose. Are you like an employee? Do you have different rights in that way? Like, you know, some of those kind of background things that we don't think about in travel nursing before we start talking about, you know, the the, the luxury of what people assume is travel nursing, right? What people see, right. What people see. Okay. So that first assignment, actually, um, I chose the agency because one of my best friends had been a travel nurse with them for five years prior. Okay, gotcha. She had very good things to say about them. Um, her recruiter had seemed to be pretty attentive and pretty accommodating to her. So she said, look, right now, because of the situation I was in, remember, I'm divorcing. So I'm getting blasted with emails and invoices from lawyers on the daily. And I'm just like, I, I'm up to here with that. Okay. All I really wanted to do was just get down there and be present so that I can just close this out and move on. So I didn't really take the time to shop agencies because that wasn't what this was about. I I wasn't trying to make traveling a career per se. I was very happy actually with my situation at my home hospital because honestly, I didn't tell you this part, but um, because they were short and they needed float nurses all the time, we were paid extra incentives 
Okay. All the time. And so, I mean, I was making like $150,000 a year. So it wasn't like money thing. I'm going to do travel nursing because I want to get paid. No, it was my motivator. It it cost me time. Okay. I, I put in about 50, 60 hours a week, but I had the time. I don't have a family. So, I mean, you know, yeah. it's okay. And I loved what I, I loved my job. I loved the people I worked with. I became friends with like literally everybody in the hospital. If you, if I walked through there, like it was like seeing a celebrity, everybody, yeah. even people I didn't know were like, hi, Ben, hi, Ben. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so it became like my home away from home, literally. So when, again, the life comes crashing down and divorce hits and I have to make all these moves, I didn't have time to shop agencies. Um, Not that that would have been the best time because I was in a time crunch, you know, court dates were fast approaching. I couldn't keep buying plane tickets to go back and forth. Like, you know, understand my divorce cost me $50,000. So just that alone was... (laughs) Wow, wow. So my best friend said, hey, listen, let my recruiter try to find you somewhere in Florida. Their agency um, works a lot out of hospitals in Florida, so I'm sure he can find you something. So we looked and, you know, a couple weeks go by. He couldn't really find something that was a a fit because it was either like way over in like Weston versus Miami. You know, that's far. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, it was like, okay. But then one day he calls me out of the blue. He said, hey, I got something in Miami. They just opened up about 12 slots. Get in. I said, okay. I, you know, he said, it's, it's this much money per week. It was like $2,000 per week. It wasn't even a lot. And I mean, honestly, at home, I, I, was, making, I was making a little more than that when you average in the, the incentive pay. But I said, okay, the good thing is that In this case, I accepted because A, it was strategically where I needed to be. And B, I had housing covered because my sister had an extra room in her house and she lived 10 minutes from the hospital. I mean, it was like a godsend. Right. And so I said, okay, at least the money per week will literally be for me to do what I need to do and get myself ahead and be able to be present on court dates. Um, you know, of course, I did disclose to management that I would probably have to be out certain days ahead of time for court dates. And they understood and, and they didn't make a fuss about that. Um, so that's how that worked out. But okay. I'm going to advise everybody, if you're going to start, you need to shop. Mm-hmm. I did my my situation was a little bit more out of a need and a desperation <laughs> kind of. Yeah. And I just happened to have somebody who put their recruiter in my hand to say, Hey, and he magically popped up with a position in a couple of weeks. It just, like I said, it was a godsend, but in hindsight, had I had the time and probably had the better headspace at the time, the plan for me to travel and go away, I would have shopped. I would have certainly did homework and, and shopped, but nonetheless, the agency had very good rapport. Um, they walked me every step of the way. They were available for questions, concerns. Like I didn't have any issues out of them at all. The pay was always on time. I had no issue. Excellent. That's good news. <laughs> what would you say when you said pay on time? That's good news. When you, you know, are saying, hey, do your homework, right? If I was thinking about travel nursing now and 
there are so many different, you know, agencies I could choose from. What's some advice you might give me to say, all right, you're thinking about this. You should really think about these things, Jana, before you pick. So what I would advise to you and anybody else is if you have friends already in the industry, get their accounts because your friends are credible sources to you. True. Okay. And your friends are going to give you the real for the, if you have real friends, they're going to give you the real. <laughs> That's another topic, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. We can go on and on. So you'll have me for another podcast. For sure. <laughs> Excellent. So do your homework. I mean, again, take word of mouth referrals. Um, take them seriously because these are your friends, your colleagues, your people that you know in real life and in real time that have had experiences and take the good and the bad. Yeah. There's no such thing as a perfect agency. It's just, I can't think of any because even the good ones, they've either, either fallen short, um, you know, if payroll was a day late because somebody didn't submit that's a shortcoming. It's yeah. not a deal breaker for me to say, okay, I'm leaving the contract, but it's a shortcoming nonetheless. And you have to think, you know, what, what is your, draw your lines, draw your boundaries. Yeah. If an agency is um, basically trying to coerce you into taking a night shift and you know, you don't want night shift, don't do it. Don't do it. Um, the tone of the recruiters is important, how they handle you. Um, you know, lately it's just, I get all these text messages on my phone and it's like, ready for your next assignment? Call me. Who are you? Good morning. How do you know what kind of day I'm having? Like, that's rude. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Oh no. It's, it's yeah. And I mean, these recruiters are snapping back at nurses just saying like, well, you can't expect to make all this money. And, you know, I understand the market is changing. However, the skill set and the expectation hasn't changed. Right. You're the right. Level, the level of patients sickness and their, you know, the hospital conditions haven't changed. So, you know, watch how they talk to you. Yeah. Watch responsiveness, time, the time it takes for them to email you back with information that you asked for, or the time it takes for them to respond to a request, or the time it takes for them to just, you know, how, how they interact with you along the timeline. That's important because when you get an assignment and you get in a pinch for whatever reason, you might need a clinical liaison to help you with a clinical issue on your assignment. You want to know that this company's responsive, not that right. they're going to make you wait till next week and put you on the back burner. Because when you're out there by yourself, 1500 miles away from home and God forbid, like I got sick on one of my assignments. I caught COVID. Oh, so, no. Yeah. oh no. Yeah. So, you know, all of those little things make a difference. It, you know, in the whole excitement of wanting to vet your first contract, it's important that you kind of bring yourself back down to earth and really, really hone in on what's important to you. Yeah. Um, you know, recruiters are recruiters. They are business people. Most of them don't have the nursing 
background or the medical background to be able to tell you, okay, well, there's if there's not ICU positions available, I can place you in intermediate care, which is a step down. Yeah. An ICU nurse can totally competently take care of a step down patient. But if a recruiter is not of medical background, they don't know how to vet you for that position. And it could have been a great contract and a great location, but because they didn't have that knowledge and you didn't have the know-how to say, well, I can do that too. You just missed out on an opportunity. Yeah. Good point there. Now you said contract a couple of times, which makes me think about what is the like wiggle room for a travel nurse, right? Who's taking on an assignment, is entering a contract. And in, I think about different scenarios where as a professional, whatever, you know, you've got wiggle room to negotiate your contract and, and the terms mm-hmm. of that. Is that true for travel nursing as well? Is there like any allowance there that travel nurses can negotiate parts of their contract? Oh, good. Good. Absolutely. Everything's negotiable in life, right? Yeah. (laughs) That's what they say. That's what they say. So travel nursing is no different. Excellent. Um, You know, pay is negotiable uh, because... The hourly pay they might not budge on, but they can. You can ask them, "Hey, um, throw in a you know weekend bonus if I pick up weekend shifts. Throw in an extra allowance for gas money to and from, or a budget for a rental car because I'm going somewhere rural." You know, um, a lot of things are negotiable. Yeah. Um, throw in you know double the rate for overtime instead of time and a half. A lot of things can be talk through, not saying they're all going to be accepted and not saying, you know, it depends on the person, meaning you, right. um, Right. How aggressive you want to be about that. And it depends on the recruiter and how unafraid they are to kind of break some doors down to kind of help you get in the spot that you want. Location was the thing for me. Everything else was like, okay, whatever. It is what it is at that point. Um, You know, I did say that I wanted to make sure I had an option for overtime. I wanted to make sure I had, you know, that that the pay was going to match the overtime rate and things like that. I did negotiate that and make sure that that was a part of the contract that I would be okay to pick up overtime if the facility um, needed it or if it was even allowed at the facility. Yeah. And that's smart advice. I really, you know, I would assume and I, and I do recommend that for most people entering any type of contract in this type of way, certainly negotiate and smart of you to to negotiate for things that were really important to you beyond the money. But you, you know, you said something else, you know, it was your first assignment. Right. And so I'm wondering, is there any type of, I don't want to say seniority, right. But I imagine it might look a little bit different for a nurse who maybe is brand new to nursing, let's say it's been nursing for a year or less, and maybe a nurse who's been nursing for, you know, eight to 10 years. And those two different nurses, you know, deciding to get into that, the travel space, is that not that newer nurse versus our more experienced nurse? Is there a different pull to that? Even in the agencies, I wonder, are there requirements for how long you've been nursing? And does that also come with how much you can ask for as far as what's in your contract? How much you're going to pay me? What are the perks that I need to make this happen? So for starters, if you have less than a year of nursing experience, um, a lot of agencies will not 
bet you for travel. Um, um, and I personally do not recommend because mm. um, the way travel nursing culture is, you have an expectation to get out there and hit, hit the ground running. Gotcha. There's no leeway of time frame for you to orient with somebody weeks and weeks and weeks at a time. No, you get one to three shifts of orientation. Three shifts is a lot. Yeah. But uh, depending on the facility and, and your contract and things, how lenient they are with days of orientation is also a thing. But there's no, nobody gets more than a few days of orientation on a travel assignment. Because again, the expectation is that you have the experience to walk in a unit and perform as expected according to the scope, according to the laws of the state as well. Yeah. And what their nursing standards say that you can and cannot do as a nurse. Is there like a minimum that exists as far as like what they say you must have X amount of years before we would even consider you? So the the standard was pre-COVID, the standard was two years. Okay. Intra-COVID and post-COVID, they've gotten a little lax to say a year. Um, people slide okay. by with eight months, you know, 10 months. And again, I mean, you know, if that's good for you, hey, do your thing. But, you know, we're taking care of people. And the minute yeah. that there's an error made, you got to understand you have full accountability. Because you told the agency somewhere that you had the experience. Right. You probably didn't. And it means people lying on their resumes, you know, adding months and years to their experience that they don't have. Understand that at the point that there is a, you know, situation with a patient or somewhere at your facility, you're going to be called to the carpet. Yeah. So you know, the standard I would say is two years. Okay. If you have experience at a level one trauma facility, that's, you know, generally the county hospitals in big cities that turn over a lot of volume and take care of the sickest of the sick, you know, you may be able to get away with a year and a half, but yeah. just again, the way travel nursing culture is viewed now you have to understand that you're going to be expected to go in and take care of probably the sickest patients on the unit because the facility might say, well, you know, you have the experience, so you can go ahead and take care of the sickest. Yeah, that's so interesting. That's so interesting. You know, and this is going to be part of our unpacking that we're going to do in just a minute. <laughs> the one thing, you know, we've been kind of like skirting around and honestly, it's because it's just one of those things that becomes the most popular thing about travel nursing, but it falls in line, I think, with this experience that we're talking about coming with this nursing experience, coming with, you know, the ability to negotiate a contract that is, is makes sense to you, feels good to you for the work that you're doing. But I wonder how does then the pay rate get factored into this? Because we, we're just going to have to put it out on the table. We talk about travel nursing and the very first thing, that most people think about nurses, right? Is how much you're getting paid. That's all the time we have for episode one. 
We'll continue this conversation in episode two, talking about travel nursing and money. Most seem to think travel nursing is very lucrative and maybe it is, but let's explore this. This podcast featured content from an accredited CE activity provided by Calibri Healthcare. Visit EliteLearning.com slash podcasts for accreditation and disclosure statements and instructions on how you may be able to earn CE credits. Take your learning to the next level by subscribing to more podcasts on compelling healthcare topics.